Please listen carefully. You're off brand. Arguably, I am 100% on brand. Lost what? Some fucking Harry Potter bullshit. I'm going to fucking punch you in the face. I lost it! What's up, nerds? Welcome to another episode of Everyone and Their Sister. I'm Christina. I'm Natasha. And I'm Stephanie. Uh, What we're going to be doing today is rehashing a little-known episode called The Lost Episode. Uh, When we first started doing Everyone and Their Sister, we decided to do a chemistry test. (laughs) Like losers. (laughs) Like losers. But with all of our amazing audio knowledge, we took a DSLR camera, put it on a stand, and used that as a microphone. Um, That video still exists out there. It does. That was was my YouTube debut. That was what I wanted. It was aimed at a pillow the entire time. And it's just us in the background fucking around being like, oh, can we can we do this? Do we sound good together? Do we riff well? Um, We thought it worked out quite nicely, but the episode sounded like garbage. Mm -hmm. That it did. Um, So now almost. So what, like eight months later, something like that, because we would have done this in like September of last year. We first started. Yeah. Um, yeah, so however many months later, we are going back to it, and this episode is for our all-time faves of all things ever in all things. So this was supposed to be our very first episode. Yes, it was. We were like, oh, you should get to know us. <laughs> but then we kind of got, I think we kind of got bored of that episode. We needed some time between that episode, and we just skipped ahead and did a different theme. But... And before we knew it, we were like 14 episodes, 17 yeah, minisodes wow. in. That's how many we've done. We've, <laughs> yeah. This is, I believe this is our 13th episode. So, yeah, we waited this long. This long. That's mm. what, like 13 times two because we do it bi-weekly. Yeah. So that's 26 weeks. But that's not even counting the minisodes, that's, yeah, which that's don't count as an episode. Also, I think this might be our 14th episode. Okay, so we'll get started with Steph. And here's what's going to be interesting. Even though these are our faves of all time, I think some of them have slightly changed since the first time we recorded this. Uh, None of mine have. Thank you very much, because I am genuine. Uh, But Uh, I think some people's answers might be slightly different as time has gone on. I think I used some already in previous episodes (laughs) that I can't use again. I did two of the same, but I forgot what I chose for my movie, so I had to choose a new one because I was like, I don't know what I said the last time. Excellent. Well, here we are, eight months later. Steph, once again, what is your favorite book? This stayed the same. Of all time. Of all time. And I couldn't pick one book. Goat book. I picked blanket author Molina Marchetta. Marchetta. I tried to find a YouTube video of her saying her own name and I couldn't find it. So sorry in advance if I can't say her last name. Okay, the two books I'm specifically calling out are the Lumetere Chronicles, which neither of you have read yet. I have. I've you read, read one. I've read one of them. You should read all of them. But I've read her other books. Okay, and then the Piper Sun. <laughs> yes. So she's an Australian author. I don't. Every I think YA, YA author was like recommending her books on the Twitter back in like 2013, and I was like, you know oh, what? Yeah. I'm gonna do that too. And I, they were so right. She is possibly the best writer I've read. Wow. I'll read anything by her, minus I haven't read her adult books that, like, that didn't appeal to me. I loved Jellicoe Road. That was a great book. That was a good one. The Lumetere Chronicles is also good. So she... I'm, I'm split on the first one, though. I'm... If you could read something... That we'll later talk about. You can read mine. <laughs> <laughs> I am so. Oh my god. 
uh, stay tuned for May favorites. We'll, we'll see, you'll understand what we're talking about. What you need to know is right now, Steph and Nat are keeping a secret from me and will not reveal it until we record the May favorites episode. And it is killing me. I am dying. Anywho, back to mm-hmm. Melina, what matters? Uh, so she writes, like I said, contemporary and fantasy. Both are good. Both have, like, similar traits of her writing, and she has a way of writing, like, one sentence that just guts you. And you're like, fuck, that was great. So, yes. I would say to start... Okay, all her books are intertwined together, so it's, like, standalone books, but then if you read on in the, like, second book, it's, like, a companion novel, so I would say you have to read them all, or you won't understand. And some show up later in other books by surprise. Read everything. There's, like, maybe six... Uh, yeah, six. She doesn't have a lot of books. She doesn't have many books. She has a book coming out. She announced it. It's again a companion novel to other to her two other books, but no date yet. What? And I'm just waiting in agony till she <laughs> will tell me when that's coming out. So yeah, I forgot a rating for her, but she's great. Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten Australian authors and coffees. What does she else do? Kangaroos. No, she, uh, going out bush. Chris Hemsworth butts, just Australian butts. Just Australia, like how many pairs though? Like, is it five pairs or is it like ten butt cheeks? Five pairs and ten butt cheeks are the same. Right. Yeah. <laughs> five pairs and ten. Five butt- pairs or is it ten, ten pairs, pairs? Yes, is what I meant. Uh, this is all time faves. Ten pairs. Ten pairs of butt cheeks. Chris Twenty Hemsworth. individual butt cheeks. <laughs> yeah. Anything. All of it. Read it. Like just. Just do me a favor, anyone who's listening, please read her. She is not well known in North America as, let's say, some other shitty people. I'm not going to say anyone. But you what? guys probably... I have a question for you. Yes. What made you pick up any of her books? Twitter. Just, just Twitter. Just Twitter? Because it was like constantly, one after the other, like, these are the best books I've ever read. But like, which authors? Uh, I think it was like Gail Foreman, okay. Rachel Hawkins... Who else? It was like all these YA people that I had read before and like followed them on Twitter. I'm like, okay, if you're hyping her up, I guess I'll try it too. And I keep looking at your cleavage, just so you know. (laughs) It's just staring me in the eye. That's wearing a dress today and her tits are just... (laughs) They're just all out there. You're lucky this button didn't pop. (laughs) Then I'm like, hello. (laughs) Hello in there. they're just going to remain out there. They're special guests for today's episode. Yes. So, 10 out of 10, (laughs) Melina, Marchetta, Marchetta, love you forever. Get, send me your book if you're listening. I'll read it for you. No problem. I would like an ARC. I work somewhere. You can just contact me and you can ship it to me. No problem. I work somewhere. <laughs> I'm not going to say where. So you'll have to guess. But email, email us. I'm available. And yeah, not your turn. Your favorite book. So I wonder who the author is. We all know. Because in every, probably every episode, I always make a call out to Diana Wynne-Jones. <laughs> My favorite author. I love that bitch. Rest in peace. Rip. She, when did she die? 2003, 2005. Oh, okay, maybe. it wasn't recent. No, she died of cancer. Oh. Sad. Anyway. <laughs> Glad we could give that the Getting appropriate a- weight it needed. The moment of silence and respect. Just a downer right now. But I don't want to bring the audience down. No. I'm going to go right This is very different shit. from our first episodes. You don't want to bring the audience down? Wow. <laughs> Tell me more Wild. about your favorite book. Wild. Tell me more about your favorite book. Okay, so it's really hard to pick a favorite book from Diana Wynne-Jones, but unlike Steph, 
<laughs> I can make a fucking decision. <laughs> I don't like making decisions if I don't have to. Okay. You do have to. That's the requirements of this show. Is it? Some I don't things, think so. Some things don't change, apparently. Some things don't apply to me. <laughs> okay. Oh, you special. <laughs> I'm a special gal. Anyway, my book choice, my favorite book of all time by Diana Wynne-Jones is Fire and Hemlock. Although most people will know her for Castle in the Air or Howl's Moving Castle, which was made into a studio Ghibli, Ghibli, whatever, however that's pronounced, movie by Hayao Miyazaki. So that's where you probably know her story from. So she is, in a way, well-known by people. She's just not known by name. Although in the 70s, she's quite popular. Um, So Fire and Hemlock itself is about a girl named Polly Whitaker and her strange entanglement with uh, the fairy and a man marked by its queen for ritual sacrifice, which from the get go, you know, is going to happen. So automatically you're like, shit, fairies, this is going to be great. But what you don't realize is that it turns into this sort of memory game the whole book is this really smooth transition between fairy and Polly's memories. So the book actually starts with her being a 19 year old, recalling her memories about this man named Thomas Lynn, who she meets at a funeral near her grandmother's house when she was 10 years old and she accidentally gate crashed it. (laughs) And so this whole story is about her and this interaction with Tom and how they became really close. And he sort of sent her on this literary quest and what's it so sounds creepy <laughs> it sounds creepy he's not that much older than her okay <laughs> i should preface this all by saying is he like 12 or is he like 30 no <laughs> we should preface this by saying that time doesn't move the same for fairy and the people marked by fairy okay it's really confusing so the whole point of this book for diana and jones was to make it so that it was really hard to tell the difference between reality and fantasy and she fucking does it so the whole time you're like is this real? Is this not real? And it takes quite a few reads to really understand this book, which is why I love this book so much, because every time you read it, you get something new from it. And even Diana Wynne-Jones herself said in an interview that Fire and Hemlock was created out of a desire to have a real female hero, which is who Polly is and who she plays on her literary quest with Tom Lynn. And she wanted to write a book in which the heroic mythical events approach one another so closely that they're nearly impossible to separate, which is like that whole thing between you can't tell the difference between reality and fantasy. So what's so great about this is that it combines all those mythical elements um, and reworks the traditional ballad, Tamlin. And she also bases this book off of the Odyssey. Fire and Hemlock really resonates with me intellectually and emotionally because of the mythology and the transformations of traditional tales and the coming of age story that's on the surface of this book, which is why it is such a great fucking book. And you can read it multiple times and you'll get something new every single time. It was really confusing when I was a kid, though, because it's meant for young adults. So there's more of a maturity to it when you're reading it, which I did not understand as a kid, but I still loved her writing, which eventually led me on to her other books which are also equally as great as anyone who loves her will tell you. And no one can hate her. <laughs> you're not allowed. Oh, this is... <laughs> I think all of the people are going to say, you're not allowed to hate these people. And oh, absolutely. If you read any of Neil Gaiman, you will know probably from his writing that he takes a lot of influence from Diana Wynne-Jones. She was his mentor. They were really close friends. Well, I didn't know that. Um, if you read Ocean at the End of the Lane, the main older lady in there is based on Diana Wynne-Jones. Cool. He dedicates, I believe, American Gods to Diana. 
because it's based on Norse mythology. And in one of her children's books, she talks about Norse mythology and bases one of her characters on him. It's really sweet. Cute. <laughs> I have and on that like adorable note. I've never wished we were a vlog more because I want the audience to be able to see the face that me and Steph made when you said intellectually. Wow. <laughs> because even you missed it. Because <laughs> I was looking down at my I, notes. Yeah, but it was just it was it was good. It was really strong in terms of like adding a note to that. So I just want to call that out. What's your rating? My ra- oh my rating is obviously. Like, 20 out of 10. Everything, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, because you asked Steph this, why did you pick this book up? I, so, I actually, my parents didn't really buy me a lot of books when I was a kid. Uh, they made me go to the library all the time. Library's a great place. I Support your w- local libraries. I will not argue with that. But sometimes you just want to own something as a kid. And the first time I remember my mom, the first time I can remember that my mom took me to chapters and told me to pick up anything I wanted. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And these covers of the Diana Wynne Jones books in the 90s were beautiful. Like, they were, like, cartoon style, but they were gorgeous. And I just remember picking up, like, ten of them and, like, I want all of these. Picked them up, didn't read them. <laughs> and then... As oh, so it, does. already as a child, that was doing what she does now. Exactly. I'm going to own this book, but I'm going to plan to never read it. And then for a good two years, I didn't read it. And then one day, and I think it was one, the day after we moved to Toronto, actually... No, that would have been too late. But it was a day after we moved somewhere, probably to Calgary or something like that. I picked up this book and was like, I should probably read this now. And I did read it and I fucking fell in love. And it was just on a whim. I decided to start reading it. Great book. I have to say, that's also another like notch in the bedpost for uh, libraries because you finally got this like your parents were like, you can buy any book that you want and we'll buy it for you. And you were like, amazing. Not going to read it for two years. (laughs) It's true. There's something about library deadlines that really make you speed through that. They really fucking do, yo. <laughs> like, shit, I got three days to read 14 books. Let me do this now. Oh, God. That's how you make your reading challenges, guys. Or a year to read 100 books. How you doing there? 150, and I'm doing really well. Oh, you 150. You guys just don't know it yet until we get to May faves. <laughs> me too. So, I Christina. I so, <laughs> so much. What is your book pick of your all-time faves? Well, I fucking wonder what my book pick is. You probably could have figured it out, even if we hadn't done this already. If you were a listener, you probably know. <laughs> oh, yes, so of I'll course. Start oh, with, I know it. <laughs> I'll start with my little spiel, because I remember doing this in the first recording and really liking it. Um, this was not a book that I picked up, like, initially intending to read or anything like that. Um, I was hanging out with a friend. Um, we were at the movies, and we got there stupid fucking early. And for some reason, I don't know why I remember this. I can't remember what movie we were going to see. Twilight? But I remember it was the same weekend <laughs> that Fifty Shades came out. Oh. <laughs> I can't remember what movie it was. It was some other movie that came out at that same time, because we were talking about Fifty Shades for some reason, and she had just come back from Chapters, and this bitch had this mammoth fucking book on the table. It was an omnibus edition of this trilogy. This tome is the biggest biggest fucking thing you've seen in your life it's so big and so heavy and the whole time like why the fuck would you willingly carry around (laughs) this fucking giant book so she starts telling me a little about it and it sounded vaguely interesting and i remember this at one point she gets up to go to the bathroom and i'm just sitting there like an a-hole being like what am i gonna do instead of taking out my phone i take the book and i start reading the first page and from the second sentence I was in. What is it? I was in. I'm reading this. The second page, I want to tell you, this is the first page of words on a omnibus edition, which is like over a thousand pages. This is huge. But that very first page, I was like, done. 
I'm gonna read this. I can't wait. I'm so excited. I read a page before she came back from the bathroom and was like, okay, so I need to read this. Um, <laughs> I went out. I bought the fucking ebook version because oh. I'm not an asshole. I'm not gonna carry that shit around. <laughs> I fell in love. It took me the longest to get through the first book in the trilogy, but after that, I was like, gotta knock through the rest <laughs> of them. And this trilogy is the Inheritance series by N.K. Jemisin. And it should come as a surprise to literally no one because I talk about her all the fucking time because I love her. And because like what you were talking about earlier, when I first, so I did not look up this book series until I finished reading it because the idea of being spoiled for anything that happened in this book hurt me to my very core. So I didn't look up jack shit. I finished this book that I fell in love with. I immediately looked her up and I found out she still had a full nine to five job. (laughs) She, like, there was no, there's, like, no fandom for this series whatsoever. There's a couple pieces of fan art in this world and, like, one fan fiction and that was it. There was a wikia page that she made herself for her books that outlined, like, how the universe, because there were so many elements to the universe, like, like, she made that herself. And I was like, how can this book series not be more popular? It's the greatest trilogy I've ever read in my life. It is my hands down absolute favorite book the first book in it is 100,000 Sons um each book is about a different character so the whole trilogy doesn't have one overall plot technically but the first book is the most important one um the general idea is about this main character named Yen um and that might not be how you pronounce it because there's a lot of ways to pronounce every fucking name in this trilogy that is one thing um but the main character Yin is from um a region in this overall fantastical world she is related to the people who are essentially the king and queen of the like main part of the universe they live in a land called sky um and she goes there to visit her grandfather and while she's there she finds out that he is naming her as the as an possible heir to the throne it's very like cutthroat there are he has two children that could possibly also be heirs. And the general idea is only one of them is going to be alive. It's like the Hunger Games. Is it? It's, dun, dun, dun. it's got that vibe. So she has to learn how to like navigate around this because to be fair, she does not want to have this throne, but she will not live if she does not win this game. And one of the big elements of this fantasy world is there are gods, but the gods are all held captive by the like humans essentially except for one single god who is the god that like essentially betrayed all of the other gods and allowed the humans to take them captive so all of these gods have human bodies and they live essentially as like slaves for these like horrible vaguely aryan-ish humans in the land of sky and the element of that the way that that story unfolds is really really strong my favorite thing about this whole series is the universe that she creates is so interesting and so intricate and i am so in love with it she i hate your nat has a smile on her face right now (laughs) but i can only assume means that when we get to may favorite she's gonna tell me that she read either this or one of her other series And I'm not going to be surprised. She's going to say that she loved it because everyone so far that I've convinced to read N.K. Jemisin, particularly her most recent series, um, which started with Fifth Season, 
everyone has really, really loved it and been really a huge fan of it. But for this particular one, I love this one the most only because it was my first one and I fell in love with it. It's one of those ones where the author at some point started a patron account to sort of say, I would like to not have a nine to five job anymore. Wow, I would I like that. to only focus on my books. And I was like, okay, sure. You've given me so much joy in my life and I like these books so much. I will give you $5 of my money every month for your random cat videos and author interviews, but just tell me when you have books coming out. <laughs> it's just, it's one of those ones, it's so good. For me, it pulled me in. I fell in love with it. I can't recommend her shit enough. I also want you to read it because I have decided that like, if I could quit my day job and just hand out this book on the, a corner of a street just to get more people to read <laughs> wow. it, that is what I would do. Like a so Bible you pusher? Yeah, absolutely. If I still worked at a bookstore, I would carry it in my hand while I was working. And no matter what somebody told me that their favorite book was, I'd be like, oh, that's interesting. You really like Joel Miller self-help? That's great. Have you considered the Inheritance Trilogy? <laughs> the Omnibus is 1,500 pages. Don't worry about it. So that's for me. And it's obviously like 10 out of 10. But like if you can go 100 out of 10, I'd do it. I love it. I went out and I bought the physical copies of the book as well because I wanted to own them. As any true fan would. Absolutely. Yep. I had to order mine far away because they didn't just sell them at Indigo. <laughs> That's a tough life. <laughs> when Chapters doesn't oh, yeah. sell the book you need. And obviously the Australian edition is better cover, so I have to fork out the money to That's get fair. the better version. I've been wanting hardcovers. What, you have first editions? <laughs> Fuck you. You are the worst person are in the they world. Signed? Remember when she said, no. I will, I'll never read Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, by the way, I have the first edition cover of it. You should read all three of our favorite books. As a reminder, Please. mine is The Inheritance yes. Trilogy by N.K. Jemisin. Mine is Fire and Hemlock by Diana Wynne-Jones. And mine is Any Book by Melina Marchetta. <laughs> Marchetta. Well, mine's technically Any Book by Diana Wynne-Jones. I would also say Any Book by N.K. Jemisin, but at least we followed the fucking rules and picked the best ones. I mean... I can't pick between two they're two different vibes to be fair yours you just said you picked three you, you picked three because i picked the omnibus edition if you wanted me to pick a favorite in there it would be the second one which i believe is called the broken kingdom steph what's your all-time favorite movie this is a hard one because again i don't watch movies apparently ever but the one movie i'll stop everything and watch when it was on tv is the devil wears prada it's a classic. Stars Anne Hathaway. You may, maybe you heard of Meryl Streep. She's in this one. Who? Emily Blunt. James. James. John Krasinski's wife, guys. We recently talked about her in our uh, Table for One episode of A Quiet Place. We should. Oh, yeah, that couple. Yeah. Power couple right there. There's like, what, five basic things I like in life? Fashion. <laughs> A publishing, <laughs> magazines, food, food. He's a chef. Because there's a chef and a great plot line and romance, everything. And that's, that's what six. this movie. That's six count, bitch. Whatever. It's, it's a blanket all faves. Everything I want in a fucking movie, and they had it. Anne Hathaway's character is trying to look for a job, and the only job she can get is the assistant to Miranda Priestley, who basically runs Vogue. She wants to be a writer. She's like a journalism major, but she wants to work at a magazine. And this is the only one she can get a job at by showing her stuff and proving that she's worth it. Blah, 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 blah. So great. Miranda Priestly was actually based off of Anna Wintour, who is the creative director, I think. I don't know her title of Vogue. So like they- The one with the kittens in the office. I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> she, I like that that's what you need to know to identify Anna Wintour. She runs the Met Gala, but also there possibly are kittens in she her office. She runs the Vogue. She has like a iconic bob. Yeah. Like a red-haired bob That's with her. bangs. Yeah. She always wears sunglasses. Yes. Her office, they based it off of that. There's also the September issue is a documentary mm -hmm. based on Anna Wintour. Yeah. That's where you can see the similarities of, like, they actually 
did a lot of bitchy stuff, as huh? fuck. I heard there's gonna be another Devil Wears Prada book, isn't there? There's there when is. life. It's called When Life Gives You Lululemons. I didn't read the books. So you don't need to read the books. I feel like the movie is a hundred times better than anything that could be possibly I written. Because it's you. Sh- all the outfits, her makeover. She had, there's a makeover sequence. She goes shopping. What, like every girl's dream. As you slowly see her confidence build up throughout the movie. And the clothes get yeah. better and better. Oh, the clothes. Yes. Fucking Stanley Tucci's character in that, too. What Stanley a Stanley Tucci. That man is amazing. Let me talk about Stanley Tucci. He can be in anything and just like elevates it a thousand times. He can be my Julie baby daddy Julia. and I'm into it. Funny enough, his wife is Anne Hathaway's, no, is Emily Blunt's sister, which he yes! met on the, which they met on the film, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That's adorable. Which yeah. I thought was so cute. I don't always remember that movie because my favorite, it's like so quotable, but it's too long to actually quote. It's that line about turquoise and the blue belts. Uh, where Miranda Priestly is like, you think, like, she's talking to Anne Hathaway, oh, right. like, laughs in derision about the difference between two belts. And Miranda Does Priestly. Does teal really matter? And she's like, fucking Yeah, does. she gives her the whole rundown of, like, you think the decisions that happen in this room don't matter. But right now, you're wearing a blue fucking sweater that didn't pop out of nowhere, bitch. I decided on that color three fucking years ago before you picked it up from a bargain bin at Target. Like, oh. The writing is fabulous. You could that is my favorite Anything. Scene. What Florals else? for spring, groundbreaking. Oh, so good. And I think the idea is that Andy and Emily Blunt's character, sorry, I don't know your name, are competing to be her number one assistant. Or like they want to, the thing is they want to go to Paris mm-hmm. for Paris Fashion Week and only one assistant can come. So that's why yeah. Emily's Blunt character is trying so hard. Oh, great movie. If you haven't seen it, I don't know what's wrong with you. Just turn on I TV. I go immediately to the Women's Network in Canada exactly. and it will be on. I am shocked, Steph, after last night that Anastasia is now not your favorite movie of all time. I didn't love it. As <gasps> I didn't love, love, love it. What? I don't know. This bitch. I mean, I get that. It's like a good movie, it's but like it's a not good, like, like... It's a great movie. I mean, I love a it's Lost good. Princess story, but mm-hmm. it didn't speak to me. You watched it too late in life. I did watch it too late in life. <laughs> I didn't. I think we have to do ratings. Like, they're not Rate. all going to be 10 out of 10. They're all going to be 10 out of 10. It's going to be 20 out of 20 for this one. <laughs> ten, ten, and, 10 and Hathaways out of 10 Emily Blunts. Who? Like, I feel like that skyrocketed their career also. I, that's it. I'm done. You may go. <laughs> go forth. <laughs> My favorite movie of all time. This could really be between five different movies, but I have to choose one. Christina made me choose one. and the one I'm so... I- <laughs> The movie I was feeling right at that moment when she was like, choose one to put on. <laughs> I was like, I guess it's a hook. <laughs> hook is so good. Hook. It was it's hard, but this one has all those classic actors that you love. Robin Williams. No, not so much Dustin Hoffman anymore, sadly. No. Uh, Julia Roberts in her heyday. Who else is in that movie? Lots of people. Rufio. <laughs> This movie is about Peter Pan after he's aged a bit, has some kids, post, post dad, dad life, post dad life as a super dad bod. Yeah. Yeah. Very super dad bod. This is post um, his lawyer's career. So he's like this hotshot lawyer, even though it's like a very like 90s lawyer with the fucking cell phones on the fucking. (laughs) The brick cell phones. Yeah. (laughs) Those brick ass cell phones on a plane also. (laughs) So horrible. But this is basically him uh, about him ignoring his kids and then his kids get kidnapped. And what does he do? He goes after them to Neverland. Mm-hmm. Do, do, do. Who kidnapped his kids? 
Captain Hook. Because he fucking did. Because Captain Hook was fucking bored one day and was like, oh, I guess I'm going to fuck up his fucking life. Does he marry Wendy? He doesn't marry Wendy. He marries Wendy's daughter. So weird. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, so weird. Moira. Moira. Yes. So he comes back to... Okay, basically, he keeps coming back to visit Wendy when she's back in London. And then she's obviously aged over time. And then suddenly he comes back and it's her daughter. And then he ends up falling in love with her. And I was like... That is creepy as fuck. That needs to stop. I Like, I not to derail this completely, <laughs> but that fucking, that shit happened in fucking, what was it? Civil War. In Captain America Civil War. Oh, Captain yeah. America kisses Sharon Carter. Like, that's an acceptable thing. I've started to call it, I'm going to call it the Sharon Carter disease. We need to stop it. Shouldn't be making out with the relatives of the people you were into. That's weird. Go ahead. That's how they're close to them. I, I feel like this has happened so many times, though, and, like, other things, too, It has. Though. Do you ever want to be kissing the lips of someone who kissed your family member? <laughs> oh, God. What's, what's sex with that person going to be know? like? Where they're like, oh, I also yeah. know how your mother oh, they, fucks. Oh, God. Yeah, they definitely know. 100% know. How yeah. else would they know them? I don't know. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to draw you, but I this mean, bothers like, me so much. The comparisons between them would, like, throw me off. I'd be like, I can't do it. He marries Moira. They go to visit... Wendy, of course, and as they're visiting Wendy, that's when the kids get kidnapped, and the, he goes to Neverland, he disappears randomly, it's because Tinkerbell comes to help him, and that's Julia Roberts. I oh. love Tinkerbell in that movie. I know, with her little pixie cut, she's so pretty. I've never seen this she, movie. What? I own it, you can borrow it if you want. So she takes him back to Neverland, and she's like, she gotta help her kids, she forces him there, he's like, what the fuck is happening, because of course he's forgotten everything from Neverland. When he arrives on the pirate ship, Captain Hook is like, where the fuck is the Peter that I know? And he's like, well, I'm I'm aged. Yeah. He's like, I don't know what the fuck you want. I'm not Peter Pan. He's like, that's a children's story. What's also really funny about this is the movie starts off with them watching the kids in the play and they're doing the Peter Pan play. And you're just like, this is so meta. I don't understand. Did J.M. Barry even exist in this world? Of course, as a kid, you're not thinking that. You're thinking, holy shit, this is amazing. Um, this movie is amazing. Rufio, one of my favorites. Rufio! Rufio! Oh my God. <laughs> um, there was a tree in my backyard at my old house. This is not a long story, but I named it Rufio after it died. <laughs> it just... Why'd you name it? a tree? Okay. I'm sorry. I know this is not a long story, but you named a tree after it died. After... Well, somebody cut it down. <laughs> It was really sad. It was a hundred year old tree, okay? Yeah. And it you were and I'm gonna name it after it's dead. Established roots in this family. And yet it was cut down by the fucking pirates that bought our property. Pirates. But she named you it sold after that it was dead. property. <laughs> Listen. The rights have been Did they steal the tree? It felt like they stole it. The fucking pirates. Anyway, Hook is a good movie. I think that movie came out the year I was born. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's cute. Okay, you were three. Calm the fuck down. <gasps> Whoa! I am like not that young. You're, yeah, aren't I, aren't I, I five years older than you? I don't think so. No, you'd be in your 30s. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Even yourself. Nearly. But anyway, this movie is great. If I had to rate it anything, it would be 10 Julia Roberts in a beautiful dress blowing up <laughs> out of 10 crocodiles that you never really quite see, except somehow it's a giant clock. It's the concept of time. That's the real enemy. <laughs> Whoa! Um, this got too deep for me. Like my, my brain exploded. Favorite thing to just again just derail this completely. This episode is gonna be four hours. Um, is somebody who did a 
like think pieces about people always arguing about like who's the real hero of Peter Pan when you're younger it's Peter Pan because he never wants to grow up when you're older you realize his hook's point of view and then someone having to be like did nobody read the fucking book it's Wendy she's the main fucking character she's the hero of the book she's the one that understands there's a medium between the two things that's true Um, and I really like that and now I was really sad there's no movie that actually tells it from that perspective maybe but I wanted to call that out there could be Remember when they remade Peter Pan like a couple years ago and it was absolute garbage? Are you talking about the musical that they did? Yeah. Oh, and then Pan. That was two different things. Okay. But then there was the Peter Pan that they remade through Disney with Jeremy, what's his face? Sumter. Jeremy Sumter. The guy who's in FNL, Friday Night Lights. You don't know. Is he in FNL? Yeah, he's in Friday Night Lights. Okay. So, yeah, I thought he was a dreamboat when I watched that. That little kid? This little kid? I was little at the time. Okay, okay, it's fine, it's fine. Calm down. I was perfectly fine. But I was just like, oh, he's so cute. And then he grew up and you're like, no, he looks the same now. It's kind of Exact gross. same. That's how I was like, I know exactly where you're from. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you 10 years later like and he it's hasn't not like cute. grown at all. No, and no, you're no. just like, oh, okay. <laughs> but now he's on the Dylan Panthers football team. It's weird. Yeah. Anyway, great movie. But Dustin Hoffman, questionable. Nothing can be perfect, you know? That's just life. Mm-hmm. Christina, what's your all-time favorite movie? Okay, so this is hard. There are lots of movies. And I for movies for me on any given day, it's different. But I've already talked about Ragnarok, so I won't do it again. <laughs> um, if I have to pick my all-time favorite movie, it is, of all fucking things, I honestly swear to God, I think it's My Cousin Vinny. <laughs> and if you know My Cousin Vinny, it, or if you don't, it is um, with Joe Pesci and Marissa Tomei. And they're the two main characters. And Marissa Tomei won a fucking... Oscar for her portrayal of that movie, which was 100% deserved, okay? How many people win Best Supporting Actress for a fucking comedy role like My Cousin Vinny? She 100% deserved it. Um, The story is about these two kids who are taking a road trip through the South before they start university. And they stop off at a gas station convenience store. And as they're leaving, the place is robbed and the police follow them and they think that they robbed the place. So they end up going to trial and they need a lawyer. And the person that they call is one of the characters, Cousin Vinny, because he's a lawyer. But actually, this dude has failed the bar six times. He's never actually tried anything in court. And the kind of law he practices is personal injury. But he's from New York and he comes with his New York accent and his New York girlfriend Mm. to like this place in the South. I don't even fucking know where where they serve grits. And there's a train (laughs) that comes in at 5 a.m. that wakes up the pigs. Um, in their like one court town and he comes to defend them on a murder trial and it's a beautiful wonderful comedy of errors it's brought you such lovely gems as the two youths you've ever heard in anything ever someone call youths youths it's because (laughs) of this movie that is one of the most iconic scenes is when someone's like youths (laughs) That comes from this, because the guy can keep saying, in his, like, Joe Pesci in his, like, fucking New York, like, Brooklyn or que- Queens accent, I'm not sure from where, he's like, he keeps saying, yeah, the two youths. And then the guy, <laughs> the, like, judge in the South is like, the two, the what? The youths, the youths, the youths. And they're like, I don't understand the what? The two kids. And he goes, oh, youths. <laughs> and for some reason, it's so funny. You fucking die laughing. The be- There are two amazing scenes they are both because of marissa tomei she is at her fucking peak in this movie okay let me fucking tell you there's one point where they're in the middle of this fucking murder trial and he's trying to save two kids from getting like fucking the death penalty for a crime they did not commit and she's standing there in the woods 
in a cottage in a floral skin tight jumpsuit with two like ankle high heeled booties on looking at him going, my biological clock is ticking. And there's thumping, but I'm wearing slippers so you can't hear it. <laughs> and it's so dope. But there's like this whole line about like hunting and imagine you're a deer and you go to get a cool sip of water and you reach your little head down and then bam, you're shot in the head. Are you going to care what the motherfucker with the pants that the motherfucker that shot you was wearing? I've seen this movie since she talked about yeah. it. <laughs> it is. I love this movie. I could watch it a million times. I'm sure there's ways that it's problematic. I'm sure there's ways where it's not the best movie that's ever been made. But I could watch this movie on any day at any time and watch it immediately afterwards. I love My Cousin Benny. Ten, like, just oh, beautiful New York accents. Just, like, really stunning New York accents. <laughs> stunning. Out of 10, um, just uh, horrible Southern accents. Just the absolute worst. <laughs> and on that note. So many emotions. Hey, Steph, your TV show. Steph, you got to bring it up now. Uh, so my TV show. This is the only series that I can think of that I've watched all the way through. What? What? There have been many TV sh- series casualties in my life. Grey's like, Anatomy. Apparently uh, almost 100% of them. I don't finish shit off. Like, Friday I'm, Night Lights? That I finished, but it took me a while. This is the one I, I was ready when the show came out. I watched the night it aired on the oh, television. Okay. I was there, ready to go with my chips and dip, ready to watch. Well, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, TV shows that didn't make it. Grey's Anatomy, One Tree Hill, Gossip Girl. This is the time of my life when I watched those TV shows. They haven't made it. They haven't made me want to watch 10 seasons of garbage. But this show... It's Gilmore Girls. <laughs> thump, yes. thump, thump. I also watched the new season seven revival on a year Netflix. In the life. A year in the life because it was so good. Gilmore Girls, if you don't know, is about a mother and daughter who are more friends than mother and daughter living in a small town called Stars Hollow. And the daughter, Rory, is super smart. So they ship her off to Chilton, which is the rich prep school. Every, like that, what a great plot line. I love a prep school, boarding school plot line. She also loves abandoned places. I also love abandoned places. Ugh. Give me rich people, like everything, rich people. Small town, like that that show made me want to live in a small town and like go to a diner every day and people know all my business. I remember wanting Star Hollow to exist so bad. I kept Googling it. I was like, does it exist though? Does it exist? Where in Connecticut sounds like Star's Hollow? I want to go to a diner. I probably only drank coffee because of this TV show. That's fair. Ugh. So, ugh. It's so good. Yes, it's problematic now looking back, but when I was a young child, I didn't... It mattered so much then. It's still one of those good shows. It's... the. The reason why I really love the show is it was rare to see so many women in a show, and it was rare to see chatty women in a show because... For some reason, in every TV show, if a woman is too chatty, it's too much for people. Or she's too annoying. I love how much that. I love the pace of that show. I love a show that I feel like keeps track with how often, like how fast I talk. <laughs> and like every season or show, there's like there's there's always a point to a TV show, but like some stuff, like the family drama, always gets oh, you. Yeah, they have one amazing episode with that that's just like killer. There's like so the every there's a routine in the season, so like. The girls go to the grandparents' house for lunch every Friday. Like, there's always, you always know where you are in the season because it happens every season, but every season it just gets better and better and better until tragically, the last season before the revival, the creator was let go, fired, didn't continue on in the. And you can tell, there's definitely a difference between Mm -hmm. seasons one, I think one to six, and then seven was. 
when they brought in new people. It was. And that's why there is a Netflix Ugh. revival because but they I, need to Logan is garbage. Okay. Logan hate, is not garbage. I hate Logan. Ew, you like yeah, Logan. I, see? See? Ew. We all know Logan is garbage. Logan is her dad. Logan is, is the worst. It is not that simple. You don't. People are not Logan just the same as other dad. people. Yeah. Logan is better than her dad. No. Can we can we spoil it? It's been like a year and a half. You can absolutely spoil it. Uh, so basically, Rory ends up exactly like her mother, which I appreciate. That's where they went, but like Logan is terrible. Could not have been Jess. No, I, I love Logan. So she's gonna I end up with Jess, Jess anyways. Jess, Jess is the clearly the better the option. Jess no, okay. has matured more. I'm, Jess is smarter. He has similar interests. He's yes. like, he doesn't shame her for not He's being rich. Beautiful. For- Excuse me. Jess shamed her all the time for choices that she made. That's because he was had low self esteem, but now he's grown. He does. Logan and does I not have the same. And I appreciate. And I appreciate that Jess grown. He was never my favorite, but I'm never gonna I be mad about him. it. Dean I was the one piece but of you know paper. What? Team Dean was the worst. <laughs> Dean was the worst. 100. percent Dean was the absolute worst. Everybody's really but. passionate about this. That's the thing. This was one of the few shows where I have like the pairing moment. I have such strong feelings about, it. and also it is so difficult to be on the team that no one else is on. <laughs> it is Logan so is hard. Terrible. Logan, okay, I'm sorry. This show is responsible for the one thing in the entire world I have ever considered legitimately romantic. Okay, there is a fucking scene where because they're both being rich and fancy and living their lives, he has to go to move to London for like a year, and he leaves her a gift, and she opens the gift after he's already left and it's a fucking model rocket and she is like what the fuck did he just leave me she has no clue why he left her a model rocket and they have a phone exchange and he's like do you like the gift i was worried you didn't get it and she was like no i love it i get it and she's not sure what she's gonna do so she ends up doing all this research trying to understand why did he leave her a model rocket and there is a scene where she goes to her mom in the middle of the night and she wakes her up and she's like i finally understood the rocket and she tells this elaborate story of how she figured it out and The whole purpose is she finds out um, there is an episode of the Twilight Zone where there is a guy who is set to be go into space and be in suspended animation for 80 years. And the night before he goes into space, he meets a woman and he falls in love with her. But he's about to go into space for 80 or for 50, 80 years um, and not age. And when he comes back, she's going to either be an old lady or dead, but probably an old lady. Um, so what he decides because he loves her so much is that when he gets into space or to do whatever he's going to do, he takes himself out of suspended animation and willingly is alone for that long and ages so that when he gets back to earth, they'll be the same age and they can be together. And then he gets back to earth and he finds out that she was so in love with him. She put herself in suspended animation so that they'd be the same age when he came back to earth. And she's still 20 and he's like 70. And she tells the story about how she realized that the model rocket is the same rocket from that episode. And she remembers when her and Logan were just, they were just having a night in. They were sitting on the couch. They were watching the Twilight Zone. And he looked at it and they were watching the episode. And he went, that's true love. And that's why he left her a model of the rocket. Because he was telling her. This is what I think true love is. And so she decides to go to London the next day. I mean, it can still be true love, but if you don't want to acknowledge her that she's your girlfriend, then there's a problem. She did, though. He also grew. You cannot ignore how much she grew throughout that show. You, The thing is, Jess also grew, but you didn't see it. Jess went from needing a lot of change to coming in being a full-grown adult. You watch Logan grow for a couple He's, of seasons But of the at show. the end of the day, I'm like, you're still terrible. I think the problem is because him. you watch him grow, you dislike him a lot through that growth. I, 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 
You know so what I think? They, wait, you know wait, wait, what? Wait, wait, you wait. know. You know what though? I think that Rory was very problematic, and I think that Logan was a perfect person because she liked being rich. She liked having those things. She liked being a little bit terrible. She wanted to be and what her he, mom was supposed to be, That's, and he was yes. good with her. Whether she was being the stars hollow version of Rory or whether she was being the rich version of Rory, Jess was only ever good with Rory when she was being the stars hollow version of Rory. But you know what? Not everybody is good. Rory well, we is a little we, bit of a terrible person, we, too. She is a bit of a terrible That's person. why the, everything that happened so in the fourth season happened. I don't really want just for her. I want just for me. <laughs> and that's... <laughs> you can have that. I would also date Logan because I want to be swept away to romantic places all the time, too. Bitch, pay my rent. I mean, that is a romantic show in general. It, We've got sorry. a romantic town where people fall in love. Uh, Suki and her husband, Jackson, oh, are so cute. That's the best. What else is there when when finally Lorelai and Luke yep. get together and you're just I just remember watching that wait yeah when they make out in the park at the wedding or something isn't that when that happens I can't remember no when they hook up when her inn she opens yes, her inn for yes. the test run and then he like runs up and they make mm-hmm. out and then Suki's like did you have sex on a table <laughs> tell me it was on a table the one thing that I will never forget from the original creator is her the last thing that she did in her season was after break all that up. amazing Luke and Lorelai break them up and then have her sleep with. Um, Rory's dad. Maybe, maybe she did that out of like pettiness. She's like, I wonder. Fuck up if I'm. I wonder if, if she like she specifically wrote them in a so, box. So like she started it. Yeah. So that you started out the season yeah. with it being terrible. And, to be fair, and no one's gonna like. It. I was always really annoyed too with like how they ended it. Like I won't like I love Logan. I won't pretend that what happened at the end of the, the initial revival? series one was oh, okay. Yeah. The revival the whole time. There is this amazing meme that was for me and the, like, 12 other people that actually like this ship that was, like, problems when you ship Rory and Logan. Season four, how to get literally everything you've ever wanted in the world and for it to still be garbage because it was perfect and amazing and they were together, but they were both fucking cheap. I was so mad. I have so many feelings about this, guys. I only watched the revival once, which tells me. Oh yeah, no, I it was not good. It, again. it wasn't enough. No, and like it made that ending made more sense for it to be the only part. Years. So exactly, I was so, I was so okay. I should explain. My true ship is Paris and Rory. Oh yeah, love Team Paris. Paris all the way, but this revival fucked up Paris's life. Oh, it was so weird so for her to mad. do that. I was so, the true moment when she was herself was in that fucking washroom scene where she fucking kicks that yep. door back and is like, fucking hells, no. And she's like, this briefcase, it's empty. And like, <laughs> yeah. and I was like this is the Paris I know and love. It was yeah. also shocking to me because Paris, the actress, was on um, How to Get Away with Murder. Yeah, who plays she's a completely so different character. Yeah. And I never realized how good an actress she yeah. actually is. Do you remember is. when she was in Scandal first season and she played the pregnant girl? Yeah. Fucking. Yes. Di- I was like, I love are her. you, this is so unlike her usual yeah. character. Why isn't she in more things? She should be in She was pr- pretty typecast as Paris. Yeah. Like that, like that was a great, ca- like so phenomenal. many great also, characters. To be fair, for a while, they're like, because she was pretty young in Gilmore Girls, she looks much older than she was. But they cast her as someone who was 17, even though she did not have the face of a 17-year-old. Yeah. I think now she's aged into her looks a little bit. That's well, true. She does look nearly yeah. the same. Yeah, she does. Crazy. People aged well. Also, yeah. in the revival, you can tell Lorelai got worked down in the first Ooh, few yeah, episodes. Yeah. And, then it, and then her face settles. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's where we need to be yeah. at. That's, that's what I need to be. No, you are 100% correct. <laughs> what was the lead time? Oh, we have four months. And then she's like, shit, I got to get it done. Didn't work like out. Getting a spray tan the day before a wedding. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, somebody did that recently, didn't they? I need to get a spray tan. <laughs> <laughs> Any hooligans. We 
We had a lot to say about Grandma Girls. So mad at that show and love it. But at the same time, yeah, like I could watch it right now. You could bust it out and I'd be like, okay, let's watch Grandma Girls. Anytime I'm like, oh, I want to watch something, but I don't know what it is. I just go to Netflix, literally just randomly pick a season and start from there. This show was the show that really got me to watch a lot of 80s movies and a lot of 80s movies. Oh, you get the references? Yeah, like all the references. I understand them yeah. because of the show. I 100% did not understand the references, and it didn't matter whatsoever. I mean, there were some things that I left, like, bleh, whatever. <laughs> but, like, it really convinced me that I should be watching more 80s stuff, and I loved it. Like, when I watched The Revival, and they were talking about shit, I'm like, oh, I know things. So, like, going back, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, maybe I know more things than I thought. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to give this 100 out of 100. Because <laughs> it's the best show I've seen possibly ever. Because I've never I've stuck never through anything. I've never stuck It's good. It's and apparently, show. so the creator, Amy Sherman Palladino, has written The Marvelous Miss Maisel. I think it's on Amazon, and people oh. say it's just as good. Oh, it is on I Amazon. I that. Yeah. So that is what I'll be checking out at some point in time when I can get my shit together. Cool. So, Nat, what is your favorite TV show? I'm like, Steph, Series, I, I have seen so many TV shows all the way through. Uh, yeah, I can't do it. I do I do drop a lot of TV shows now, but I've seen too many, perhaps. It's got to be really bad for me to stop. It's got to be, like, Teen Wolf Season 3 bad. <sighs> Riverdale Season 2 bad. Ugh. Ugh. It's got to be, like, what's another one? Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you tried to set up the rest of that joke and couldn't. <laughs> Fails dropped. Because I couldn't even remember which season of Grey's Anatomy was awful. Uh, With the, season when- 4. When not Denny dies, what's his name? George. The Is George it when someone grows up? Season four. The bomb episode was good. Yeah, bomb episode was amazing. It like was the episodes. first few seasons, let's say season four, season five, excellent. My favorite TV show is Buffy. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, it's my favorite because it's the only show I can re. Well, I mean, I can rewatch a lot of shows like Bob's Burgers and stuff. Pick Ooh. any any season, any episode, can watch whatever. Brooklyn Nine Nine, same thing. Buffy, exactly the same. And I know, and the thing with Buffy is, I've watched it so many times, Mm -hmm. I know exactly what I'm getting into, depending on what episode I pick. I can look at an episode name and be like, oh, Hush, my favorite episode, I'm going to watch that. Oh, is this The Body? I'm going to watch that if I want to fucking cry my eyes out. Mm -hmm. Or is it Annie? Do I want some angst in my life? Like, I can specifically name episodes. I know this show so fucking well. And it's not just a show I know. I know the comics really well, because I, of course... Fell in love with Buffy season eight. It kind of got a little weird after a while. Yes. But, yes, it did. But still still kept through it. I haven't kept up to date with it. But if you really love Buffy and you read Frey, which is about the future uh, vampire slayer, also really good. But let me preface this by saying... if Pre- Preface is before you get to listen, the point. Let me epilogue this But <laughs> after. Is it an epilogue? Let me continue in the middle. Let me just say, if you have been living under fucking, I don't know, a rock on a different planet and do not know what Buffy is about, Buffy is about a vampire slayer as a teenage girl who comes to a city called Sunnydale because her mom has to move her after she gets kicked out of her old high school Mm -hmm. for burning down the gymnasium. I'm so sorry. Yes. So good. And this is essentially based on a a movie that came out, I want to say a year or two before. Mm-hmm. And it was not done by Joss Whedon at the time. It was done by somebody else. I don't know. It was arguably a shitty movie, 
but it was the start of something fucking beautiful. <laughs> fucking beautiful. Cheerleader kills vampires, uh, kicks ass. Uh, yes. Yes. That's exactly what I wanted. And then I got Buffy the Vampire Slayer by Joss Whedon, and that's when I fell in fucking love. <laughs> this show is literally the best thing. Despite the fact that the fashion is questionable throughout all mm-hmm. of the seven seasons. Were they not fashionable at uh, the time? No, to be fair, for when it came out, yes. For the <laughs> early 90s, 2000s. It was fashionable for that time. I will never forget. She loves the spaghetti straps. <laughs> yeah, she does, and she doesn't like wearing bras. <gasps> I and, hate that. And I've been rewatching Sex in the City, and neither does she. When oh. when Cordy asks her when they first meet, and they Love Cordy. Cordelia asks her about all her choices and determines whether this is a good fashionable friend to have, Buffy answers to like the question about like who's your like movie boyfriend. She's like uh, James Spader, and I was like, what the fuck? Who would ever date James Spader? Looked up James Spader in the eighties. He was a hot bang. <laughs> it was very interesting to me. And I didn't realize that he was in so many 80s teen movies. And I was like, oh, I get it. I get it. This makes sense for the time period. So definitely very dated. But of course, I was watching it as is airing and yeah. did not understand some of the references because it was technically meant for teenagers. Um, so, of course, you can forgive the fashion. But one thing I could not forgive about this show was when it broke up my favorite couple of all time. And that is Willow and Tara. I know. Why does he kill them all the time? It's lazy writing at this point. Very lazy. Whatever. Anyway, the show is great. Everybody should watch it if you haven't. It's probably on Netflix. It's probably everywhere. I think it is. I don't know. Well, yeah. I own it in hard copy. I own it. Like, I downloaded it. Like, I own it in every possible format. The show is amazing. Same. If I had to rate it, 10 silent gentlemen out of 10 puppet angels. As you were sitting there and you were listing, like, I know what episodes for these moods. I was going through my head being like, yeah, you want to laugh? You watch Lover's Walk. Yeah. You want, like... You want some musical? Yeah. Once more with feeling. Oh, once more oh. with feeling. And that is the only exception. No, it's not the only exception. I make. Musicals I make- are amazing. You do secretly enjoy them. You just don't like all of them. That's just fine. I think I'm bitter about a lot of musicals, is what my thing You're is. You're bitter about life, though. Wow. Bitter and oh, sentence. <laughs> But once more feeling, I can definitely sing each of the songs and know every oh, single absolutely. word. Like Walk Through the Fire. <sighs> so good. The thing I will never forgive them for is where they took the Buffy-Spike relationship because I loved Spike. I loved him. And then they like made him a little, ir- like at a certain point, you kind of, you can't be redeemed when you make a certain act. And that was really, really hard. So to be fair, I've become one of those people where I just sort of like ignored that that happened because I love him. There was, yeah, there was, there was a lot of Also, Angel, ugh. Worst. Yeah, Angel's, the thing is, if you watched Angel. I did watch Angel. Angel and Cordelia. I liked Much them. better, much I better. I liked them a lot. He was funnier with her. He was he too was. broody in the Buffy series. And Cordelia was meant to be comic relief a lot of the time. She did get a lot more serious towards the end, which was really annoying. She got shafted by Joss Whedon, also won't and forgive also him for that. And also another case where she ended up sleeping with the sun. Oh, oh, yeah, she's See, playing fucking, fun. fucking weird. And that's where you fucked up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, this is a what fucking, a great show. It was a good show. Great <laughs> universe. Let's just. Oh. I go, I go watch that again. That's so good. But have Buffy's, you, okay, but have you read Frey? No. You should really I did it. it. To be fair, I have not picked up any of the comic books. Okay, Frey really. Except is, for one. Frey is really short. It was just like a one-time thing, but it's about the future Slayer, like a hundred years in the future. But does that mean that there are not multiple Slayers anymore? There's no more multiple Slayers. I loved that, though. 
It is so good because they end all Slayers completely at some point. I will say that about Buffy as well, not to interrupt you. It had a really good ending. The last season was a little bit meh, but that I like I like the moment, the message, everything they did with that ending was good. It was really Sorry. solid. And the fact that Angel extended beyond that ending, because yeah. it was extended by a one season. season. Yeah. And there was moments where they definitely see Buffy, but then they never show mm-hmm. her. It was hilarious. Oh, guys. It's a good show. It was a great These show. Just some good shows. Christina, what is huh. your all-time favorite TV show? Got a lot okay. to live up to. You know, and you know what? It won't, because I know for sure you haven't seen it. I know Nat has, though, and she really likes it. Supernatural. Um, ew, no. Ew. <laughs> no. I People mean, love that show. I, I love don't know why. But not past a certain season. Yeah. It ha- oh, that show's been on for way too long. Yeah. I, and I also, I've not, I'm actually not a huge fan of Supernatural. It's one that fandom that has not touched me, and I think I'm happy for that. I think that I'm, I'm better off not... <laughs> Oh, it has touched me. <laughs> wow. That's you doing that. That's your. That's a choice you're making with your body. Um, so it was really hard because there's part of me that wants to pick Bob's Burgers, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Like there is some TV great, out right now that is amazing. TV. And particularly Brooklyn Nine-Nine because super inclusive and it, it has all those elements that I love. But we've talked about those things already. So I don't want to revamp them. And ultimately when I come down to it, the one show where I'm like, I just need something to put on the TV and I can any season, any episode, throw one on. I know exactly what it's going to be from the name. It's Psych. Yeah. Best show. I say this literally wearing pineapple slippers. Like (laughs) my pineapple obsession started because of this show and then the world caught up to me and now my house is covered in pineapples. Um, So Psych is a USA show about a fake psychic detective so his dad was a detective and vaguely abusive in his childhood yes. he, teaching him how to be a detective so when he gets older he's a really great con artist essentially and a really good detective but he cons people like he figures out how pe- people are committing crimes not like stealing stuff um but he's an excellent fake detective Mm -hmm. and one day um in solving a crime and going to collect reward money they think that he must be the person who committed the crime because how else could he know all this all all this information and so in order to get out of it he pretends to be psychic and so (laughs) from that point on for seven seasons this man sean spencer pretends to be a fake psychic with his best friend and best person ever Or Bruton Gaster, depending Bruton. on who you ask. Lavender Gooms. <laughs> MC, clap your hands. <laughs> Shad Dynasty with, with God's comma. Comma to the top. God. That's God's, God's comma. <laughs> All of this nonsensical rambling are quotes from the show. We can both literally quote so many scenes. It is the most quotable show in existence because everything is one-liner. So this is a comedy and it is a great comedy. It's, I would say, the comedy that started the referential comedies that, like, yes. Community did. So after sort of like a fumbling first season where Sykes tried to sort of find its legs, what it starts to do in second season is each individual episode is a reference to a genre, a movie, a time of life. So a lot of them are references to, like, specific 80s movies. Um, they have an entire episode that's just a reference to the movie Clue, and it's amazing. It's so good. So, I love the it. Twin Peaks one, Twin Dunes. Or no, wait, Dual Twin Spires. Spires. Dual Spires. Dual Spires. 
Um, every episode is like that. It has some, sometimes it's just like, it's as generic as old Westerns. And sometimes it's incredibly specific and drilled down to like, it, this is, episode is specifically based off of Scream. And so there'll yeah. be a ton of references and things to that. And they'll bring in those actors too. So you they recognize yep. those like 80s, 90s mm-hmm. actors that you grew up with. I think almost every single actor from The Breakfast Club has been in Psych. There might be one person. Was it every single? Yeah. Yeah. And then the Dual Spires episode, every single actor from Twin Peaks is there. Every single one. If you like Twin Peaks. It's funny that they would agree to do it. Yeah. Oh, because, but here's the thing. What Psych is really good at is understanding how to make fun of those things while loving them. Because the references are all clearly made from people who love these tropes and have grown up watching and reading and writing them. But also understand why they're funny, like what's ridiculous about them. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you know, it, you you want to be in their version of Twin Peaks because they clearly love this thing that you did. And if you've never seen Psych, you can watch the first that you can watch Dual Spires if you like Twin Peaks. And if that's going to be your gateway drug to Psych, do it. Yeah, you can honestly probably watch except for like the last few episodes of every season. Oh yeah, because those are usually like linked episodes. You can watch any episode from any season, and it could be your hook, and you don't even have to know these characters. And you're like, "What the fuck is happening? This is hilarious." There's a big shtick. So the the breakdown of the like two buddy cops because this was also one of the starts of USA's big like buddy cop thing. Because after Suits, uh, after this came Suits, White Collar, yeah. Franklin Bash, but like Psych was one of the first ones. Um, Sean Spencer, obviously, like he lives a very free spirit lifestyle he hasn't stayed he has a billion jobs he hasn't stayed in one place for long he's a ridiculous person who doesn't know when to shut up he's a man child he's like he's got a deadpool vibe yeah like a family friendly deadpool vibe yeah there you go very deadpool but gus is a pharmaceutical salesman and he's very street laced and he's doing it's doing 401k okay he is the absolute best. And it also, like, it's fair to, like, you look back at it now, and it's, like, of course. But when the show came out, he was the only male lead. He was the only black lead yeah. in a primetime television show at the time. And they made fun of that. They make fun of that, because there's a lot <laughs> wow. of ongoing jokes in Psych. And one of them is Sean going to Gus and being like, Gus, don't be a... So, like, Gus, don't be a, an 11-pound back for his hand. Gus, don't be the extra skin at the end of my elbow. And one of them specifically was, Gus, don't be the only major black lead on a primetime television show. Also, their feud with The Mentalist. Yeah. The best thing, the because thing, The, the lo- Mentalist is a show about... a. Fake, fake, fake mentalist. Yeah. And it was clearly stolen from Psych, and they know that, and they 100% make fun of it. And the dude that played the mentalist was like, if this was the same network, I would have come on Psych. They wanted to make, <laughs> they wanted to, in the final seasons, make a joke that the guy that plays the mentalist is actually related to Sean. <laughs> Oh no, that would have been good. Also, some amazing actors are in it, though some you know and some that you don't. But if you go back and watch it, it's one of those shows where you're like, hey, isn't that. Like, that's one of those moments that you have. It is, honestly, I love Psych so much. I could quote it, talk about it. I love that you love it because I just like messaging you sometimes. And I'm just like, yep. Yep. yep." I I got so many people addicted to the show. My sister Mm -hmm. started watching it with me. And we always joke that I'm Gus and she's Sean because I have the super sniffer. (laughs) And she likes to rub my bald head. I'm not actually bald. (laughs) Um, don't ever say that sentence again. That is some, like, Lena Dunham-esque. Whoa. Your sister likes to rub your bald head, but there's clearly hair on your head. Whoa! I would never say that sentence again. You were the magic one Magic head. It. I was. But magic head? Magic that's what head. Me of. If you like comic books, there's a comic book-specific, like, Comic-Con episode that's mm-hmm. also really excellent. This literally caters 
to like everyone. Yeah. You, if you watch like, I think you're going to like it. It's definitely the first season is harder to get through. It's kind of like Parks and Rec yeah. where the first season, it doesn't quite know what it is. Can I miss the first season? Like I skipped yeah. first season. You can skip okay. it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like I'd watch like maybe like the last like few episodes of the first season to like, I don't know if there's anything you, linking nope, in them. No. No, you really don't need to. Yeah. Um, I honestly, the reason I ever ever picked up this show was because I found a random DVD in a cereal box. Can you fucking believe what? it? What? This show wasn't even out yeah. yet, and they were like, here's a sample of a new yeah. USA show that we're gonna have airing on TV come June whatever. What a world. And I fucking was like, I'm gonna watch this shit. Yeah. And I watched the first episode, I was like, this is stupid as fuck. You keep going. <laughs> and I fucking kept watching. <laughs> I remember this. I was in fucking Florida. We were visiting like family friends and it, they had USA channel, obviously. And it was just on. And it would have been one of the first, like early on in the first season. This is one show that like you were talking about. I, I sat down every week. I illegally downloaded it because it was yep, not being yep, shown yep, in yep. Canada. Um, and Although I would sit down and watch filmed it. in Canada. Filmed in Vancouver, but it's super fucking difficult <laughs> to find in this country. But it's fine. I bought all the DVDs. Mm-hmm. Um, we found a way to watch the movie live, and that's all that matters. Yeah. Uh, it was one of those ones. I, I was a random episode on America. I saw this one. I fell in love with it. Came back to Canada. Was like, well, now I have to watch every single one. And then just for seven years, like clockwork, I Never used to watch stopped. it. And I got so many people. My best friend, her sister, another one of my friends. We got came to the seventh season. We would all get together to watch them. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure my sister watches watch this show that's an indication that you should watch the yeah. show uh, you, you have said before that your sister actually uh, does watch yeah. some good stuff we should watch the show together we should watch psych together we could do, oh God, we, could so do we could do mini sodes of it for each episode yeah you have to understand like this show is honestly it's so good if you watch it right now if you like if you like brooklyn and if you like bob's burgers you like community you're gonna like psych that's true yeah it's very usa it's it's good it's for me 10 pineapples or 7,000 pineapples out of, out of 80s references. <laughs> 20,000 lavender gooms. Lavender, lavender gooms. Ovaltine Jen- Jenkins. Shit Dynasty will always be the best one. Shit Dynasty. It also, so he keeps nicknaming him different things throughout the show yeah. whenever he introduces him. There's a new name uh, every single episode. Possibly multiple. Yeah. So like he's like, oh, I'm Sean Spencer and this is my associate, yeah. Bruton Gaster, even though his name was Burton Guster. <laughs> Okay. The one time that okay. the okay. one time in the show when he introduces him by his real name is when they're talking to like an assassin. <laughs> he uses a fake name for himself. And he's like, why would you? And honestly, one of the best scenes, one, one of the best scenes of any television show ever is early on. I think it's like the second or first season. It, the episode is called Black and Tan, and I will tell you why in a second. It is Gus's birthday. Fashion. It's a that could be your first episode. That could be your first episode. It is Gus's birthday. And for his birthday, Sean is like, I'm going to get you into the hottest club where all of the people are wearing, like, they're all models and shit like that. And so they go to the front of the line and it's Gus and it's Sean. And they go to this bouncer and we're like, we're on the list. And they're like, the fuck? You're not models? Get the fuck out of here. And he goes, we, we are models. We're black and tan. And then they look at the list and I guess black and tan are on there. He goes, oh, I'm so sorry to Sean. He goes, Mr. Tan. He goes, excuse me. I'm black. He's tan. <laughs> How dare you assume otherwise? And then they just walk in and it's so fucking funny. And after so that, good. me and my best friend just make like, we call each other black and tan all the time. So good. 
Okay, fine. I'll watch. You yeah. watch it. Perfect. And there's romance too. Of course. Oh my God, I mean, Juliet, Sean, and Juliet. Their their expressions alone, just like the yeah. comedic expressions, are worth the watch because you're yeah. just like, what the fuck are they doing? Yeah, Lassiter is someone you have no idea you're gonna love. You watch the first episode yeah. and you're like, oh, I hate Lassiter. By like three episodes in, you're like, Lassiter is amazing. He's like the straight laced cop that's like way too did intense. You, did you ever watch Galavant? No. Okay. He was the king yeah. in Galavant. It's weird to think that there are people who have seen Galavant and not seen Psych. I know. It's yeah. so weird to me. I'm like, I thought all the fans of Psych watched Galavant exactly. and that was it. Are they the same creator or something? No, no but they've got they're a, the same people. Again, they've got a very similar, like, referential jokey yeah. tone. It's a okay. good, similar comedy. Um, Psych also has a musical episode. Of course it does. Of course. My one sadness is that Psych never had a Dungeons and Dragons episode. No, it didn't. You're right. That was That's my favorite. These are our faves. Uh, so as a reminder... My book was the Inheritance Trilogy by N.K. Jemisin. My movie was My Cousin Vinny. And my TV show was Psych. My book was Fire and Hemlock by Diana Wynne-Jones. My movie was Hook. You have to think about that. My TV show was not Psych. It was Buffy. My book was Anything by Melina Marchetta. Marchetta. I'll never forget. Uh, movie was The Devil's Wear Prada. And TV show is Gilmore Girls. And those are... All amazing things. Honestly, that could take you the whole year. Read yeah. every single book, watch every single These movie, and every single TV very show. Very solid picks, I think. Yeah. Very strong episode. <laughs> episode ten Much out of ten. Better, can I say than our lost episode? Probably. These yeah. are all my same picks. No, I mean like personality wise, oh. our chemistry test has exceeded. But you know what? Thanks for that episode. We learned that the three of us could talk for six hours and be fine. That's true. That's true. Sometimes we stop recording and we keep going for several hours after that. And that's what I'm always like. Are we not done? But we're not. We keep going. We can talk forever. We have a passion, guys. We have a passion for this. Talking about things. Yeah. Anyway, if you want to contact us our, on our social you want it, media. Melina Marchetta, your publisher, Penguin. You want to send me a, the next book? I'll take you it. You can email us at everyoneandtheirsister at gmail.com. NK, I love you. And on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, we are at EatsCast, as usual. Send us some love. We're kind of sad. We've been getting some love lately, We actually. have been getting some love. we slowly doing stuff people are listening shout out to you seven guys we appreciate it <laughs> bless you you and deserve the world <laughs> a quick appetizer for our next episode uh we are gonna be talking about our may favorites and someone's gonna spill the beans and i can't wait because i'm actually been sitting here going what the fuck are these two talking about there's gonna be secrets filled. secret i secrets what if we have secrets every episode no, no it's too, too many all right i'm just joking thanks for <laughs> listening and Bye. 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 Happy binging. Music credit goes to artist Clarabelle for the song Wallflower and Jazzhar for the song Please Listen Carefully. Wake up! <laughs> You're welcome. That was very loud. I have to, one of us has to edit this. No, you- <laughs>